together for just Jesus in general. Every time I think of Jesus, it makes me want to applause. Well, good morning and welcome to our 9.15 a.m. gathering. Uh, happy 4th of July weekend. I hope and pray that no matter where you're catching this right now, whether you're in one of our campuses or uh, watching online from a beach location, uh, a pool location, uh, a, a hotel in the Dollywood region, um, I hope and pray that you feel the presence of Jesus wherever you are. And just remember that no matter where you are tonight, when you see the sky lit up with fireworks, just remember that the Chinese invented those fireworks and most likely made those fireworks. And that kind of fact just brings us all together. Uh, in all seriousness, it's so cool uh, to be here on this 4th of July weekend, uh, being reminded that we live in an amazing country. Um, we came from the other side of the world, and we are hustling with everything that we can to stay in this amazing country. Because even though it's not perfect, it is beautiful, and God is at work, and our best days lay ahead of us. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit at work in our nation and at work in our church. Because we haven't had the chance to meet yet. My name is Dan Leanne. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at New Spring. And we just want you to know we love you and we are for you. As a church, we just want everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship with Jesus. So no matter who you are or where you're at, we are so glad to play a part in your journey in experiencing Jesus every single day. Uh, we're in the midst of a series called Stand Firm. Um, we had our Ephesians chapter 6 scripture read in Spanish. I wish I could say in Spanish, but I would butcher it. So I'm just going to give it to you in my cool Asian Australian accent. Stand firm. And this Stand Firm series is all about spiritual warfare. And the reason we as a teaching team dived into the scriptures to see if there are any revelations about spiritual warfare is because y'all as a church have asked these kinds of questions more than any kind of question throughout the history of our New Spring journey. More than any other question, we get questions about spiritual warfare. And, and that's a natural and normal question to ask because we are spiritual beings. We have flesh and we have blood and we have bone, but we are all knit together by this common thread. We are made in the image of God and we are given souls. And we sense it, we know it, we feel it, that there is more than, we, than, than what we can see, feel, hear, and touch. There is something going on in a spiritual realm. That's the reason you all ask questions about it. You ask questions about angels. You ask questions about demons and the demonic. You ask questions about witchcraft. You ask questions about can a believer be possessed or can they only be oppressed? You ask questions about guardian angels, where the, 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 the loved ones we have who go into the next life, do they become, we, we have all of these questions flowing in consistently. We're asked questions about does the upside down world real? Do demagogues really exist? All my Stranger Things fans kind of had a little bit of a chuckle. We get these questions all the time because you are spiritual beings and you ask spiritual questions and we want to help you navigate all of these questions, not only from experience, not just from hearsay, but from the Word of God. And that's what we've been communicating over the last couple of weeks. Yes, spiritual warfare 
is real. Yes, there are times where you can sense as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, as you're given the Holy Spirit to counsel, to guide you, to to direct you, the Holy Spirit will sometimes quicken inside of you a sense that there is something going on in an unseen realm. The spiritual fight is real. Like we read in all of our campuses in Ephesians chapter 6, your battle and your wrestle isn't just against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities in an unseen space. There is a fight going on. You as a believer have an enemy. His name is the devil, a.k.a. Satan, a.k.a. Lucifer, a once fallen angel that now leads an army of demons trying to trip up God's best for your life and trying to rob God of the glory that he deserves. This enemy has some power, but it's a limited power. This enemy has some knowledge, but it's a limited knowledge. Because more important than the enemy that you fight, you've got to understand the side that you fight on. And the side that you fight on is led by the king of the universe, the reigning, undefeated, undisputed, come on, champion of the universe. And he is not limited in power. He's not limited in knowledge. And he is everywhere all at the same time. Come on, smile. This is really good news. Because irrespective of how deep you dig into this conversation about spiritual warfare, If you do it in a biblical and a spiritual way, it should leave you feeling more confident than ever. Alert, but not alarmed. Cautious, but totally confident, knowing that if you fight in a spiritual realm, the way that God has commanded us to fight, we're going to stand firm and take ground, and no demon in hell can take one thing from you that God has destined for us. Come on, smile. That's really good news. If that doesn't get you kind of pumped up on a Sunday morning, I don't know what will. We should be totally confident that we can stand firm because we've been given every piece of spiritual armor and weaponry required as children of God to fight an enemy, to dominate and to win, to see our households, to see our marriages to see our children walk forward in peace and prosperity. And that's the reason we talked about this armor of God over the last couple of weeks. Come on, I think our teaching team have done an incredible job. Wouldn't you agree with me? Like the the way that they've talked about how it's a real fight and you can put on a breastplate of righteousness. You can buckle on a belt of truth. You can put on shoes of peace. You can pick up a, a, a shield of faith. Every child of God is afforded this spiritual armor that was designed by and delivered to you by the Holy Spirit himself. No one should walk through life feeling beat down or defeated in a spiritual realm because you've been given the full armor of God. And it is my honor and privilege to continue on this conversation by looking at the next verse in this text in Ephesians chapter 6. Specifically, verse 17, this week we're going to talk about take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
This week we're going to talk about putting on a helmet, a helmet of salvation, and picking up our weapon, which is the Word of God. Come on, it kind of feels appropriate on the 4th of July weekend. We're going to talk about picking up the spiritual weapon that our Father in heaven has given us to beat back the enemy and all of their plans. If you're taking down notes this weekend, I encourage you to take out your leather-bound journals and your pens right now, iPhones, iPads, Google devices, Samsung devices, find your note app. If you have the NewSpring app downloaded, you can open that up right now. I want to help you in the most practical way, fight and win. I don't want to see the enemy take one more hour of your sleep, rob you of one more moment of peace. Come on, take away one more ounce of your joy for you and for your family. You're beating back the enemy in the name of Jesus. And if you believe that in your auditorium, come on, give him a praise in advance. God is doing something and you're going to be left changed out of this morning. But first you've got to learn how to put on your helmet. And you've got to pick up the sword of the Spirit, that's the Word of God. Three simple points this morning about putting on your helmet and picking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The first thing you've got to understand is in this spiritual fight, you've got to protect your head. You've got to protect your head. Everyone say, protect your head. Go on, turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to protect your head. The enemy's going to come after your mind. The enemy's going to come after your thoughts. That's the reason Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would point out the helmet of salvation as a very important piece of equipment because the enemy is coming after your thoughts and he's trying to say stuff to you. I need you to write this down, that the devil is primarily a trash talker. Has anyone ever met a trash talker on a basketball court, a trash talker on the golf course, a, a, a trash talker? Do they trash talk in softball? I'm guessing there's trash talk in softball. I don't know what kind of softball trash talk there might be. Like kind of, that's a terrible underarm. So I don't know what kind of, I'm not trying to disrespect softball, okay? But I'm just going, <laughs> there's trash talkers everywhere. I'm not a tr good trash talker. I lack the sporting skill to kind of create any kind of margin for me to trash talk. I'm going to stay totally focused, but apparently there are trash talkers around. I hear trash talkers, and you're going to understand that first and foremost, the devil is a trash talker. Sometimes you'll give the devil way too much credit for his power. I was talking to somebody this week, and he is a part of our Anderson campus. He's building a house at the moment. There's been a few delays. I asked him how the build is going, and he said, well, you know, the devil's trying to keep us out of the house. And I kind of wanted to say, you know what, it's probably not the devil. It's probably like kind of, you know, chain, like, you know, kind of, you know, like chain, what's the, word, what's the word for it? Supply chain kind of, you hear the word supply chain all the time, and the one time, I forget it. Okay, supply chain issues, you know what I'm saying? But I'll say this, I don't think the devil's trying to keep you out of your house, but the devil's trying to use this situation to rob you of your peace, to create tension with your wife, come on, to rob you of your joy. The enemy is very limited in power, but he is a trash talker. And if you let a trash talker slither into your mind, it's amazing how much he can control. And that's what he is. He's a trash talker. That's the reason you see right there at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. The first time you see 
the devil. The first time he sees spiritual warfare, the first time he sees Satan work, what's he doing? He's trash talking. He slithers into the garden, takes advantage of a situation where there was division between Adam and Eve, because the first time in the Bible you see Adam and Eve in two different locations, and he'll start trash talking. Did God really say? Or in other words, hey, you know what? God's word can't be trusted. Hey, hey, you know what? God's trying to hold out on you. Hey, you know what? If you trust me more than you trust God, you're going to have more joy and happiness in your journey. Can you see what's happening here? Right from the beginning, the devil is slithering in and he's trying to sow a thought that's going to rob you of your connection with God, therefore ending up controlling your steps. The The devil is a trash talker. That's the bad news. He has incredible sway in that space, but the good news is we know his play. And when you learn how to recognize his voice, you get to respond really, really quick. That's the reason you've got to put on, come on, the helmet of salvation. And you can learn how to recognize his voice. The devil has a very distinct voice. This happened to me on Friday night when I was in Spartanburg celebrating our Spartanburg campuses, Drew Hankins' 30th birthday, and we're out there. And, and did you know that the headquarters of Denny's is in Spartanburg? Side note, that's like an amazing fun fact, okay? The biggest building in Spartanburg is a giant Denny's, all right? You know what I'm saying? And so I'm out there, and we're hanging out in this cool spot called the Freight Yard downtown, and it's cool, it's live music and fried food, all the good things that you want, come on, on a July 4th weekend. And we're hanging out, and I'm on my way out, and this man across the yard looks at me. We lock eyes, and then he kind of is staring as I'm walking, he's staring, and he starts making his way to me. And then he comes up to me, and then he does this, new springs. I said, yes, yes. New Springs. His name's Orlando, and, and he was like, going, I was watching you, and I, I thought it was you, and I didn't know it was you until I heard you talk. Because I, 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 I can pick your accent. And I said, you know, hey, I gave him a hug, blessed him, it's so cool, connecting with our New Springs family. And it occurred to me that, that my voice kind of sounds a little bit different than everyone else's voice, so it sticks out. The devil's voice is very distinct, and it sticks out. Not every bad thought you have come from the devil, but if you hear a voice that pushes you towards division, very likely the enemy. If you hear a voice pushing you towards doubting God, his presence, and his goodness, and his perfect plan, very likely the enemy. If you hear a voice trying to promote death over life, very likely the enemy. I've got a distinct voice. The enemy has a distinct voice. So reflect on the things that bounce around your head, the thoughts that slither in. Because some of them, as you walk forward with Jesus, filled with the Spirit, sound just like the devil. And in that moment, you're saying, you know what? I'm putting on my helmet of salvation. Which is point number two, write this one down. This helmet is a helmet of salvation. I need you to turn to your neighbor and say, I like your helmet of salvation. Come on, that's a nice helmet. That's a shiny helmet. That's one of the new fandangled technological helmets. Come on, I like your helmet. Come on, of salvation. 
But the helmet of salvation, it's not a helmet of willpower, it's not a helmet of argument, it's not a, it's not a, a, a helmet of I see one things one way and that's the way I'm always, no, it's a helmet of salvation. Why is the helmet of salvation so important? Because this shows us that in the spiritual fight, your position is your power. I'm going to say that again. In spiritual warfare, your position is your power. That's what salvation is. It reminds you of who you are, whose you are, and who did what to get you there. You're a child of God. Your father in heaven, come on, is the reigning, undefeated, undisputed king of this universe. And you're not here by your works, by your effort, by your energy, by your attempts, but you're here by the grace of God through faith. Come on, it's not what you did, it's what he did. It's not your blood shed, it was his blood shed. It wasn't your sacrifice, it was his sacrifice. And when you remember your salvation, you stand firm. If you're going to clap, you may as well clap properly. Come on, that's, come on, some... Some fun on a Sunday morning. This is a really good. This is really good news because I know for me, if I was a soldier and things started really start flying around, I, I I probably wouldn't be the coolest cat. You know what I'm saying? Like I would start freaking really really quick. To have something like this as a truth to fall back on when everything starts flying around is a powerful thing. Hey, I know who I am. I know whose I am. I am a child of God, and he did all the work to get me here. In spiritual warfare, my position is my power. When I find myself standing behind God, the enemy can't help but flee. That's the reason the Bible says in the book of James chapter 4 and verse 7, to submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You want to see the devil run away from you? You want to see that dark force retreat? You want to see that heaviness lift? Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I've got some bad news for you. You in your own strength, you in your own flesh aren't that intimidating to the devil. But when you're standing behind God, he's freaking out. Remember when you were in like school and you were all arguing about who had the strongest daddy? My daddy's stronger than your daddy. He's in construction. Well, my daddy's stronger than your daddy because he started my, I used to tell people, my daddy's stronger than your daddy because he's Bruce Lee. And I, 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 people believed it. Can I just remind you, no matter how intense the fight, no matter how heavy that feeling, no matter how fiery that arrow or that dart, your father who is inviting you to hide behind him is the undefeated, undisputed, reigning champ of this universe. And the enemy can't help but flee when he gets a glimpse of you. So when you're feeling spiritual attack, remember your salvation. Hide yourself in God. Hide yourself behind God. The last thing you do when you feel under spiritual attack is run towards the enemy by yourself. Submission is power in the kingdom of God. Come on, covering is offense in the kingdom of God. Don't run and try to work this thing out by yourself. 
because you're feeling the attack, you submit yourself to God. You get yourself to the house of God. You find a bunch of brothers and sisters who will pray for you in the name of Jesus. Submit yourself to God. That's not a hate horror movie. I hate horror movies because they freak me out, give me nightmares, but most of all, they are simply, purely, and fundamentally illogical. I don't like horror movies. You know what I'm saying? If you're hanging out with a group of your friends and you break down in a sketchy town in the middle of the night, don't go out by yourself. You know what I'm saying? Oh, look at this like creepy looking basement. I want to go down here. Let me just hang out in the woods by myself. No, you get your friends and you hang out and you like light everything up. You play a board game. You play some Uno. Start a prayer meeting. Do something. Don't wander off by yourself. But we do it. We feel the attack. We break away from community. I've heard it a lot in the last couple of weeks. Man, man, America's under attack and we have so much division and the devil's doing something crazy. But what you're doing is that you're getting more isolated and kind of going down rabbit trails on Facebook as opposed to, hey, I'm just going to get to the house of God and be around other people. We turn on the lights. We're going to pray. You know what I'm saying? If you feel an attack, find God and the people of God and hide there. You're going to have your best opportunity to overcome the devil. Come on in that position. Thirdly and lastly, and then we're done. You've got to watch your head. You've got to watch your head. Sorry, I'm looking at it. You've got to watch your head, man. Like, bro, you got to watch your head. Look at this. I'm just picturing like a helmet that's like kind of like custom fit for you. Bro, that's how it fits perfectly on Ben's head. Like, you've got the same head. The two of you got the exact same. And, and the second thing is you've got to remember your salvation. And thirdly, you've got to swing that sword. I don't say swing that sword. Last week, my brother, my partner in the gospel, uh, gospel Clayton King, lets you know that he went on a deep archaeological dive to go find a shield of faith, okay? And he did a great job. I, too, went on a deep archaeological dig of the Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. And I found myself a sword. Authentic, made in China, replica of a Roman gladius sword. And, and the gladius sword was the only offensive weapon mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 2. But only one weapon is mentioned not because... God doesn't have capacity to give you a lot more. No, he's just letting you know, you'd be surprised at how powerful it is and how easy it is. The short sword, the gladius, was powerful and effective because it operated within, remember we that this last week, the phalanx, remember the, that, that formation that the Roman soldiers had when they would link their shields together? Again, we've got to stick together. And because there was a short sword behind this shield wall, they could thrust together. It wasn't one-on-one. -on -one. In a one-on-one -on -one situation, the longer the sword, the greater the advantage. But because they were together, this short sword literally took over the known world. And the Bible makes it clear here that you can pick up 
the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, sitting on your bookshelf right now, gathering dust, isn't just an archaic piece of literature that your grandmother handed down to you. That is the weapon with which you can defeat the enemy. It's the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Hey, sitting next to your bedside table right now, with that plate lying on top of it that you had toast on on Tuesday that your mother told you to put in the sink, but you still haven't put it in the sink. That's not just a dusty book to hold your cutlery and your plates. That is the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. And we need to learn how to pick this thing up and swing that sword because it doesn't matter how righteous you are. It doesn't matter how much truth you have. It doesn't matter how you are fit with shoes of peace. It doesn't matter if you're holding a shield of faith. It doesn't matter if you have a helmet of salvation. You will not beat the enemy back until you pick up the Word of God, that which is written. Don't run into this fight without a weapon. I've got full clearing from my wife to tell you this story. Sign all the indemnity forms. You can ask her, she'll be at the 11.15 gathering. I might even put something on social media this afternoon to reaffirm the veracity of this story because some people in the room, namely Crystal Cox, sometimes questioned the authenticity and the truth of our stories from this stage, all right? But this is one, but this one is 100% true, all right? So two years ago, we just moved into our house. We built a house here in Anderson, South Carolina, next to us. There's another house being built, it's by our builders, Stephen and Anna Jones, good friends of us. They come and serve here in the welcome team as well. Their house was about, I think three or four months behind our house. So they were still kind of, you know, doing their internal stuff. We had just moved in. It's about 1 a.m. and I'm in that like kind of half state of sleep. Crystal wakes me up, hey babe, there's someone at Stephen and Anna's house. I said, babe, like it's just your imagination, it's a tree brushing against the window, just, just go back to sleep. So I try to go back to sleep, about five minutes later, she shakes me, no, there's someone there. She opens up the window and there are flashlights in the building site. So my first initial reaction is like call Sheriff the bride, call the cops, like, you know, pray, do something. My wife, that's not her reaction. She's up out of bed. I'm telling her, babe, slow down, slow down. So I'm trying to run around and find myself like a weapon. And, you know, as an Australian being brought up in a country with, you know, there's no guns. In the, so I'm, I'm like, kind of, so basically the best weapon that I have in our house is a coffee pot. By the time I have a coffee pot in my hand, all right, Krista, no word of life, is out the front of the house in her undergarments, chasing a dude on a Yamaha dirt bike. He's holding a couple of power tools now that he's stolen. And I just see this picture of the moonlight and a moon moon going down the street. I talk about my wife all the time because I love her. But I tell you now, when I saw that, I love, love her. You know what I'm saying? So I'm so proud of my wife. I'm telling everyone this story. 
Sunday comes around, I'm with some of our officers and students here at our church, and I was telling them this story about how Chris was trying to catch this thief, basically in her underwear, just running down the street. And they all laughed, and they kind of said, you know what, that was really brave, but not the smartest thing to do. Next time when that happens, stay in your house and just talk about Jesus. Definitely don't go out there without talking about Jesus. The people of God have spent way too long trying to fight a spiritual fight with physical human force. You're swinging logic. You're swinging talking points. You're swinging thoughts that we got from a video that somebody shared with us. And we are wondering why we're running down the street kneeling. Pick up the sword. And if it's really a spiritual enemy, that'll be the punishment. I experienced it. Still to this day, 46 years of age, walked with Jesus for a long time, and I still hear the whispers. The devil will always try to get into my head, which will say stuff like, you're not lovable. So many people have rejected you in life. You don't like yourself. to that, I've got to pull out the Word of God and say, no, 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 no. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 that the love of the Father is great for me because I've been called a child of God. That Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 13 tells me that I've been loved, come on, with an everlasting love. And the devil has to steal that. I'm not going to lie to you, I, I, I hear the voices. Every single time I get ready to mount a stage or preach the word, I always have this sense, I'm not good enough for this. I'm a fallen, fragmented, frail boy. I've got so much stuff that I still need to work out in my life. How dare I try to help anyone else work out their life? But then I pull out the word of God. I say, no. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 tells me that I am God's workmanship. And I was created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which Jesus prepared in advance for me to do. Get behind me, devil. Come on, I hear these voices all the time. You're a loser. You've lost. Your past defines you. No, Romans chapter 8, verse 37 tells me that I am more than a conqueror. I get told that I'm a failure. That the patterns that trip me up will always trip me up. No, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 tells me, therefore, because I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Get out of here, devil. You've got to start picking up your sword and swinging that word. Amen? In this fight, You've got to understand that what is written is your fate. We see that in Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus' most elongated record of his interaction with the devil in the midst of a spiritual fight. The devil's trying to do the same thing. 
divide his vision and begin to doubt God. Yet in Jesus, it's very definite like that. And three times we see in Matthew chapter 4, every time the devil tries to slither in, Jesus replies, it is written. In the name of Jesus, no one in our Newstream family is walking out of this room today or switching off their computer from today or watching online this week. In the name of Jesus, we as a Newstream family are going to be clothed with the armor of God, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, shoes of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and we're picking up the sword of the Spirit. And we're going to see the devil beat back at a rate we haven't seen in years. But you need a word. Because you hear the accusations. I hear it all the time from people in my new stream family. They go, hey, I'm cursed. It is just the way it is. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. No, praise be to God. And Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. You're not cursed, you're blessed. Hey, why pray? It doesn't work. No, no, no. James chapter 5 and verse 16, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Come on, I hear it all the time. Hey, worry and anxiety will always cripple you. No, I don't have to be worried about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, I present my request to God and the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard this heart and guard this mind in Christ Jesus. What lies do you believe? Swing that sword. Come on, what lies do you believe we got to? Swing that sword. Come on, don't let the devil slither in. We got to swing that sword. So that's how we're going to wrap up today. Really simply. In every single campus, we're going to get our ministry teams to get to their positions. Can we do that right now? Ministry teams. Can you put your hands together for our ministry teams? We want to honor them. Do you know that every single week, they come here early. They get to your campus early. They meet and they pray and they share and they warm up the environment so that you can get your fruit. And this week, our ministry teams are going to be in positions in every single room. And this week, they're going to be holding the sword of the Spirit. And if you know that you've been battling a lie from the devil, trying to cause you to doubt God's goodness, trying to divide your house, trying to bring death into your journey... I'm going to invite you this morning to slip out of your seat. We're going to make a line in some situations. And we're going to, with our ministry teams, work out what was written. You are leaving with a word. Does that sound cool? On every single campus, with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around in a judgmental manner. Let's be real right now. Come on, has anyone had too much peace and too much joy and too much of God's goodness robbed from them from the enemy. Come on, let's put your hand up if that's you. Come on, let's be real right now. If your hand is up, you probably need to leave. Now, I'll tell you now, in every single gathering, the next minute will be an example of where the enemy speaks the loudest. Am I right? There's no power in this. No, no. You can pull out the sword and say, no, no. The Word of God has the power to break rocks. Come on, the Word of God is sharp and it's powerful and it's effective. It's like a two-edged sword. It can do some serious surgery. Come on, we need to right now beat back the enemy trying to rob you of your word. Come on, in this moment. 
So with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around, if your hand is up, come on, if, who, who needs a word here? Come on, who needs, to, who needs something that was written? If that's you, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. Would you go right now? Just come on out now and connect with one of our ministry team. Come on, on every single campus. Come on, just encourage the people who are moving right now. Come on, just encourage them on every single campus. Come on, down there in Myrtle Beach. Come on, come on, my Florence people. Come on, out there in Greenwood. Come on, keep, come on. These people are making their next step. Come on, they're leaving with a written word. Come on, keep on encouraging them on every single campus. Come on, out there with all my Spartanburg people. We're just about to head to Denny's for lunch because it's now in your mind. Come on, up there in Lake Wiley. Come on, come on out there. My Clemson people. Come on, my Columbia people. Find someone. You're leaving with a word. In a few moments' time, you're going to have a pastor or a shepherd come on out onto your stage to continue to steward this moment. Come on, swing that sword. Everyone is leaving with a word to beat back the devils this week and the next. Let me pray, and then we're going to invite a pastor in your room, a shepherd in your room to take the lead. Lord Jesus, we love you, Father God. We exalt you. Holy Spirit, leave this space. Continue to move people so they leave with a word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said?